Kane's Big Joe for Absolute Comfort, your trusted independent American Standard Air dealer. And owner Chris Wedekin sells the Mitsubishi Electric Mini Split, a great option for heating and cooling where ductwork can't be installed. If you have one of those homes that has baseboard heat or electric heat, ceiling cable heat, these can be specifically designed for those houses because in those houses it's very difficult to have them do all the construction and remodeling that goes with adding ductwork into those types of homes. Find out more by going to absolutecomfort.org. Absolute Comfort is your trusted independent American Standard Air Mitsubishi Electric Elite Ductless Pro Dealer. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock just awful and horrific, Hammer. You hate to start off a segment this way, but this is the biggest story in the nation right now, and it's um, it's it's terrible. Three University of Virginia football players murdered, gunned down as they were. Uh, it looks like they were exiting a school bus uh, of students returning from an off-campus trip. Beyond that, we don't know much else other than the suspect has been apprehended. And the alleged gunman is a former football player at Virginia. Normally, we don't like to say the names here, but for the context, Christopher Darnell Jones is the alleged gunman, former football player at Virginia. He shot five people, three of them fatal, Mm. and the three people that he killed were current football players, linebacker Deshaun Perry and wide receivers Laval Davis Jr. and Devin Chandler currently playing on the Virginia football team. How do you move on as a football team after something horrific like this happens? I mean, you shut down the season, right? It's it's done. I mean, I know that that's the most important thing at all here, but I mean, his teammates have just got to be devastated and very shaken up, as I would be. The campus as a whole is yeah. pretty shook. Oh, yeah. The basketball game tonight was canceled. Okay, It's been uh, postponed and not quite sure if they're going to make that up. But yeah, this is uh, the biggest story in America. And we can talk all we want about how you protect yourself in a situation like this. And we've got Guy Relford coming up here in just a few minutes to talk about that. But sometimes... There's nothing you can do because of a crazy, motivated, rotten SOB. You would think big, strong, athletic college football players, Division One ACC football players getting off a bus from a school event would be fine, but they were sitting ducks. They were ambushed, it sounds like to me anyway. I'm speculating here. Again, there's a lot we don't know about. The story happened early this morning, but yeah, I don't think there's any way of defending yourself against something like this, especially because you're not allowed to have uh, a gun on campus. I'm sure those guys aren't allowed to have firearms, obviously, to protect themselves. But then again, who would have ever thought something like this could happen? And, and, you know, you think back, oh man, mid-2000s, Virginia, the state of Virginia is is very familiar with school shootings. Uh, Virginia Tech, one of the worst school shootings in the history of this country but just a handgun Um, yeah exactly so uh unfortunately um schools and colleges in virginia are familiar with this sort of thing so last night there was an interview that aired with mike pence he sat down and he spoke with david muir of abc news so the question is is mike pence selling a book because he has a new book out is he running for president or is it a combination of both? Is it all of the above, Nige? What I, do you think? I think it's all all of the above. Why not? If if Donald Trump's going to announce, it's going to be just like 2016, isn't it? It's going to be like tw- like 50 uh, GOP uh, nominees up there on stage with multiple debates. 
Yeah, Remember so the JV it, yeah. table, the <laughs> right? JV debates, yeah. and how bad those were. Yeah. Uh, so no, I think I think there's a strong possibility that Mike Pence is going to run, and there are some polls that I've seen that says he's still popular with uh, the ultra conservatives. So his autobiography. It's called So Help Me God. It comes out later this week. He's actually got a book signing coming up here in Indy. It's on November 22nd. Uh, so he is promoting a book, and he did spoke speak to ABC News last night. This is Mike Pence telling David Muir of ABC News what he thought of Donald Trump's efforts at the Capitol riot. In the middle of it all, you can see that the president has tweeted. 2.24 p.m., the president tweets, Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done. It angered me. But I turned to my daughter, who was standing nearby, and I said, it doesn't take courage to break the law. It takes courage to uphold the law. I mean, the president's words were reckless. It was clear he decided to be part of the problem. So Mike Pence calling Donald Trump part of the problem last night to ABC. And then when he was asked why Donald Trump didn't make the calls to security, why Mike Pence felt like he had to make the calls to security, this was his response. Over the course of several hours, you spoke with the acting defense secretary. You spoke with the joint chiefs of staff, General Milley. I did. You spoke with the acting attorney general, Jeff Rosen, with the chief of Capitol Police. Where was the president in all this? David, I was at the Capitol. I wasn't at the White House. And when you learned later that he was watching all this unfold on TV? I can't. I can't account for what the president was doing that day. I was at a loading dock in the Capitol where a riot was taking place. But why wasn't he making these calls? Um, that'd be a good question for him. So hmm. let's get down to the nitty gritty. Who's got a better shot of becoming the president of the United States? Mike Pence or Tupac Shakur? <laughs> Because well, I got five bucks on Tupac well, I was right going to say, Tupac's dead, right? Correct. <laughs> at least we think he is. <laughs> I, I, I'm saying Pence will run. I'm not saying he's going to get the nomination. No. Uh, I don't think that's that's happening. There's such a um, small portion of conservatives that are on board with his run because he's ticked off the MAGA part. The Democrats, the folks that are in the middle, will still tie him to Donald Trump. Trump, Pence, Pence, Trump. He's going to be labeled as part of that, so they're not going to vote for yeah, him either. Well, I don't know. I mean, they're not going to vote for him for sure, but they're sure going to try to uh, to paint Donald Trump in a negative light using Mike Pence and his book and his tour and the, the you know surrounding January 6th and all the events that happened. I don't think Donald Trump incited a riot. I don't think he caused a riot. I think there was things he could have done differently for sure. I mean, he was telling people to go home for God's sake. He just I don't think he didn't he didn't act quick enough. But I, I look, you want to talk about what was that fight like hell? Is that what was that what he was saying? Right. Democrats interpreted that to mean, you know, go riot. No, people were already rioting while Donald Trump was still on stage that day. Um, I would like to know if it's true if Donald Trump really called Pence the P word to his face. 
rhymes with wussy. Right. For not um, with the whole electoral college and things like that. Because that was in a book. Was it? It was, well, someone claimed that happened in a oh, book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A previous uh, a book written about Donald Trump. Right. Okay. Not the new Mike yeah. Pence book. Well, I'd like to I'd like to find out if that's true. Doesn't sound completely out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> We're talking about Donald Trump. Maybe he'll be asked about that because he's doing a town hall this Wednesday on CNN. CNN town hall with Mike Pence. Again, just trying to distance yourself from Donald Trump as far as you can by doing a town hall on CNN. That that should tell you something. That should tell you that maybe he is looking for a, a possible run in 2024. I think the most inspiring thing out of yesterday's Colts win, Nige, was <laughs> I didn't get many hateful text messages from you throughout the course of the ball game. I hope they lose by 60! <laughs> I hope they move back to Baltimore! <laughs> These are all text messages I've received in the past from a very emotional uh, Nige watching yeah, the Colts game. Plenty of uh, um, uh, F-words sprinkled yes. about in there as well. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of filth, flarn, flarn <laughs> filth. 25-20. Colts oh, win? Yeah, that was a fun game to watch it was exciting i'm confused how could the colts possibly win when jeff saturday had zero experience nige zero none because everybody and their brother and their mother and their father had their panties in a twist because jeff saturday got the gig over somebody that was currently on the staff this was bill cower from cbs sports yesterday what about the assistants on the staff right now the guys that were there in training camp the guys that were there early in the morning and late at night, the guys that have gone through the first six weeks in that building, guys like Gus Bradley, Scotty Montgomery, uh, John Fox, don't they deserve the opportunity for an owner to hire a coach who's never been an assistant at the college level or the pro level <clears throat> and overseeing a very much a lot of candidates that are qualified for that job, as we see in Steve Wilkes, an opportunity to build a resume. It's a disgrace to the coaching profession. Mm. And regardless of how this thing plays out, what happened in Indianapolis is a travesty. Why is he going after Jeff Saturday? It seems like he was, that was more about Jeff Saturday than it was Jim Irsay who pulled the trigger on this whole thing. Jeff Saturday said yes to an opportunity. What? And because he was offered an assistant coaching job before and turned it down? Um, you, you gotta what, what? You gotta wait to pay your dues. Wait your turn. Those assistant coaches don't deserve anything. Sometimes opportunities land in your lap, and you just you snatch them. You and say, maybe okay. those assistant coaches aren't any good. Look what happened <laughs> right. at that Patriots game. All of those coaches had experience, and that was one of the worst games I've ever seen in my entire life as a Colts fan. And I've seen some bad football <laughs> pre Harbaugh yeah. era football here in Indianapolis, and that Patriots game was on par with that. So you don't have to just give it to somebody. And I'm curious, how much TV training did Bill Cowher have before he decided to jump on set with CBS? Oh. Somebody went to school and worked their way up to be an analyst on television, but Bill Cower just took his job. Sit the hell down. I want to hear Jeff Saturday celebrating a win in the locker room. Been a hell of a week, man. Been a been a tough one on all of you. Can't tell you how proud I am of each and every one of you. Coaches, players, staff, everybody stepped up. All three phases, man. Things we talked about. Offense, ran it for over 200. Threw it for over 200. Defense, shut 28 down, 77 yards rushing. Had to make a play on 17 at the end. What we do? Make a play at the end. Make a play at the end. Hey, hey, make a play at the end, man. Who goes hard? 
hardest, the longest, man. That's how this game is decided. The most physical football team won today. Can't tell you how much I appreciate Everybody's getting a game ball, man, because we all put it in. Everybody gets a game ball. And my favorite thing about football, Victory Monday. We'll see y'all later. Ah! I was rooting for him. I was hoping he, do, he was doing well. He seems like a likable guy. I know people that have played in the league that played alongside him that said he's a real good guy to know him and his family. And especially after that Bill Cowher rant. Right. I was really hoping he'd just stick it to everybody. And it's not like he was like caller number nine in a contest. <laughs> He's yeah. played in the league. Right. He's been at a Super Bowl. <laughs> like, the dude knows the game. It's not like it's some random person, which, by the way, I think would be yeah, a great promotion say. for the NFL. Right. Each week, some random fan gets selected off of his couch, and they have to try to beat Josh McDaniels <laughs> in the Raiders. That needs to happen. Great idea. Did you see Edge yesterday? Edger, Edger and James? James? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> After the game, he was there at the game, grabbed uh, Coach Saturday. Hey, look at my boy. Got his first victory. First dub, first dub, first head dub. coach. Hey, head coach with no experience. You know what I'm saying? No experience, but we got a victory. Found a way, man. The men found a way. So hey, proud how, of the dudes, man. How can you be an NFL coach, no experience, and still go out and beat <laughs> that room, man? That room. Them coaches and players, God love them, man. See, yeah. Ed's get the best interviews. Y'all need to hire me. Hey, nah, I can't work for nobody. Man. No, you I'm know. About to say. Hey. <laughs> love it. You think at any point, though, Jeff Saturday was looking at Edge easy with the no experience stuff here. <laughs> I've heard it enough already. I know you're happy for me. Can, can we move on? Oh, man. It was just fun to have a good Colts I game know. to watch yesterday. Yeah. Even if they would have lost it, at least it was entertaining. Yeah, they play next week? Oh, yeah, big one. The Eagles! So much better than the Eagles! This is going to be a great adventure. This could be a great adventure in sound. The Hammer Show. 93 WIPC. I always get worried when I see meteorologist Marcus Bailey's name on the prep sheet here. Hammer. Does that mean something bad's on the way? I don't know. I've got uh, two words for you. Bread, milk. No, no, Bread no, no. and milk, let's, baby. Let's go to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring in our old pal, Marcus Bailey. I mean, it's <laughs> I not that I don't like all. talking. It's not that I don't like talking to you, Marcus. It's like every time I see your name on the prep sheet, I'm like, what? Wait, hold on. Why is he on the prep sheet? What's coming down the pike? I need to move all my assets and stocks to bread. <laughs> no, no. 50-50. No. No, I think, look, I mean, I think everybody, you know, after the weekend, and I think what made it worse, it wasn't just the snow, it was the fact that we were at 70 degrees on Thursday. Yeah. And then two to three inches of snow, on, you know, just two days later was just kind of a, kind of a slap in do, the face. Did do, do we see that yeah. one coming there Saturday? Yeah, well, I think it was – I would definitely call it an overachiever. We we did call uh-huh. for snow. I think I said around an inch. We were kind of more in the two. There was – we were 2.7 officially at the airport, and I did see some areas got up to as high as three inches of snow on Saturday. So so it was a little bit more than anticipated, but in terms of the timing and that kind of stuff, yeah, it, it was kind of a latecomer in some of the – projection but we did see it coming unfortunately so we got through that you know the temperatures i think we've accepted the fact that this is who we are and it's going to be this way for a while now but with the snow and with the rain what are we looking at for tomorrow kind of a similar setup i think um it may be a little more difficult to get some of the snow to accumulate because i don't think we're going to be as cold 
when you wake up tomorrow morning. Uh, if I recall correctly, Saturday morning, you know, we were into the 20s. We're going to be a little closer to freezing tomorrow morning. So that plays a little bit of a role. But the timing is going to be about the same. I think it's going to be definitely a morning event. So those of you listening that are heading off to work early in the morning, 6, 7, 8 o'clock, that's kind of the onset of the precipitation. I think it will probably start to snow. I wouldn't rule out mixing in a little bit of rain throughout the day. The main batch of this kind of steadier snow is probably going to be for the morning hours. And so I do think the morning could be in jeopardy of being a little bit slushy or slick. The roads are still pretty warm, um, so it's tough for it to accumulate unless it's just really coming down like crazy. But I'm going anywhere between another one to two inches of snowfall uh, through the day. Again, main main batch is probably going to be in the morning hours. We'll just kind of have scattered stuff then throughout the day tomorrow afternoon, and that may linger on with some lake effect scattered snow showers into Wednesday as well. Now, if I've learned anything from the weather in Indiana, Marcus, it's that there's an imaginary line across Interstate 70 to where if you're above that, things get bad. If you're below that, it's not as bad. Are we looking at that tomorrow? Pretty much. It's the old mountainous terrain of I-70. Um, I mean, and it really is. It's funny how it always works out, but it does. Um, I think you're probably looking around that one to two inch possibility from I-70 north. Uh, you may get a little bit of accumulation, places like Bloomington, Columbus, Nashville, Greensburg. Um, but I think it's probably going to be more of a rain event, you know, just a really chilly rain event for areas south of I-70 for much of the morning. And then I-70 north, it's all snow. So, And it's not one of those where it's like if you're traveling up to like South Bend or Fort Wayne, that it's going to get worse and worse the farther north you go. I think it's going to be pretty consistent. The exception may be when you get real close to Lake Michigan up in northwestern India, and they're going to have some lake-enhanced uh, probably snow amounts. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Marcus, one more thing here before we let you go. I know you watched the Colts game yesterday. Oh, yeah, I know guy. you. Big fan. I know you were propped down on the couch watching like the game. And, of course, we were rooting for Jeff Saturday. We wanted sure. the Colts to win, but it's even sweeter when it comes against that weasel Josh McDaniels. <laughs> so, knowing what we know about Josh McDaniels, how yes. old is too old for a grown-ass man to wear a visor, Marcus? That's the question <laughs> Nigel and I were discussing during the commercial break. And unless you're playing golf, what What's the cutoff time for a grown man to stop wearing a visor? Yeah, a long time ago. And you, he just seems like one of those guys that if he gets a win, he wants to party up, which he hasn't, fortunately, had a lot of opportunities to do this season. He's the guy that turns it around backwards and upside down. Does he not look like he's <laughs> yeah. Like Malibu's Most Wanted. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> that movie. Right. Yeah, no, he's way too old for that. Take that off. That's nonsense. Josh McDaniels and Lane Kiffin both. Can we please send them off to the <laughs> island of you're too old to do that and That's stop correct. wearing the visor? Isn't it ironic that they probably have kind of a similar personality, too? Just kind of goes along with the territory, right? Right. Someone, now not saying that it's me, would say that both of them have a punchable face. But <laughs> oh, stop. again, I don't want to oh, condone any of that activity. <laughs> Marcus, uh, my man, where can we get more coverage in case people want to stay up to date on the weather? Yeah, sure thing. So Ashley will be in all uh, evening long wish TV at uh, 5, 6, 10, and 11 for updates. And then I'll be in bright and early to kind of guide you through. Hopefully won't be too messy, but it would be the first morning drive for some snow starting at 4 a.m. on wish TV. 
Marcus Bailey, Wish TV. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. The only way to bag a classy lady is to give her two tickets to the gun show. It's Monday Gun Day with the gun guy. Just watch out for the guns. They'll get you. Stop calling your arms guns. The Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel, Jason Hammer, right over there with a very special in-studio guest. He is a 2A attorney. He is a host here at 93 WIBC and a firearms instructor, Guy Relford, the gun guy with us. Hey, guy. guy, how are you? I'm great, man. And thanks as always to our sponsor for Monday Gun Day, which is Fort Liberty Firearms in Avon, 8401 East Highway 36. Great place to buy firearms, ammunition, and accessories. Check out my buddies at the fort at fortlibertyfirearms.com. So one of the biggest stories today is this shooting that took yeah. place at Virginia where three football players shot and killed the suspect now in custody a former football player it's crazy just want to get your uh, thoughts uh, it's crazy obviously and you know some of these details are just breaking in fact Jason uh, you know you were telling me some of this earlier today before it was even on the news um, and uh, you know my thoughts whenever there's a, a tragedy like this and 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 look sometimes I think too often we call them tragedies, and let's call them what they are. They're horrific, evil, malicious crimes. Atrocities. Atrocities yeah. that, you know, committed by evil people. But my thoughts go to a couple of places. One is, um, you know, what does a person have uh, available to them to defend themselves in that kind of a situation? Or how can someone think about, you know, any any mass shooting situation um, and, and, and be as prepared as they can be to perhaps react to that and, and minimize, you know, the, the risk to themselves or, or the loss of life. I, I go there for, that's just because that's my approach, right? That's what I do. That's my background. I'm, I'm a firearms instructor. I teach uh, mass shooter response. I'm certified by Homeland Security to teach uh, mass shooter response. And so I, I, I go there, but I also always think about the legal issues, which is, man, I, I, so many of these jurisdictions make it awful tough in in a lot of uh, potential mass shooting situations to be prepared to even defend yourself because of restrictive laws that are in place. And we can, get, we can go more into both those issues. So I'm seeing that it was wide receiver Laval Davis Jr., linebacker, linebacker Deshaun Perry, and wide receiver Devin Chandler. They were coming back from like an off-campus trip. They were on a bus, yeah. and they're coming back from some sort of off-campus trip where the alleged gunman shot and killed them. And already you're seeing the usual blame game. Shannon Watts has put out a tweet basically saying, you know, we don't want your thoughts and prayers. When you hear that kind of stuff, when you hear the people say, we're tired of hearing thoughts and prayers, what goes through your mind? Well, uh, first of all, uh, uh, I'm a big fan of thoughts and prayers. I mean, I'm a big fan of prayer. I grew yeah, up too. in the church. I mean, you're and, giving and, out your and, condolences. I mean, yeah. it's a way of showing that you are sympathetic and you care. Exactly. Yeah. And the idea of someone minimizing the power of prayer uh, offends me just as a Christian. But beyond that, um, no one ever wants to talk about heading these things off. Nobody ever, ever wants to talk about giving people the capacity you know, to defend themselves. And, 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 and I also go back to the heroic circumstances in Greenwood Park Mall involving my client, Elijah Dickens. 
happened uh, here just in July, where we had a potential mass shooting that that could have ended ended up, uh, you know, costing the lives of dozens and dozens of dozens of people. But a heroic citizen stepped in and ended that threat. Something that I guarantee you actually upset Shannon Watts, no doubt in my mind, because it wasn't consistent with her narrative. And in fact, here an armed citizen stepped in and ended the threat to other innocent civilians. And and that's huge. And I, I think about that a lot. Obviously, on a college campus and, and and football players, you know, getting off a bus or participating in an event, you know, there are so many restrictions on them that you know, I, I you're not going to expect one of those football players to you know pull a gun out you know out of, out of his backpack and be def- able to def- defend himself. But it makes us it makes us think. I think it makes me think about what opportunities we have as private citizens to be able to respond and defend ourselves if God forbid we're caught in the middle of something like, what, like that. What are, what are one of the first things you teach or you taught or you were taught about um, responding to uh, something like a mass shooting? Well, in a a mass shooting circumstance, you know, we've been hearing for years, you know, the run, hide, fight circumstance. And and, and a lot of people think, okay, well, I I understand the progression, run, hide, fight, got it, end of story. But it involves so much of that. And again, a a whole bunch of this isn't really applicable to football players getting off a bus. I mean, that's such a unique circumstance, and and it's so confining for them. But but in in terms of, you know, where you live, uh, say, on a college campus, um, or or when you go to school in the different classes. Classrooms that you attend, the the run part is always uh, about planning and then execution. The planning is where you are, and it's something I talked to my kids about before they went to college. Think about whether it's in your dorm, in your apartment, in your classroom. Think about if something bad started happening right now, how could I get out? How can I get out of Dodge? It's having a plan, an evacuation plan. Running is no good if you, if you haven't thought about where you're running to and how you can efficiently get out of an area that may present a threat. You know, hide is not just hide. That's not just, you know, jumping under a desk. Um, it's about barricading in place and getting yourself to a place of safety. Hopefully that the, the gunman, the, the, the assailant simply cannot get to you from. In other words, when you're in this place, whether it's you know, behind a locked door, uh, behind a barricaded door, uh, whatever it might be, you want to be. Uh, hide is not just hide. Hide is in a place where the gunman cannot get to you, and and have thought about that. Where's a place? Can I barricade the door to my classroom? Does it, does the, does the classroom have a deadbolt on it? You know, where's a place I can get to where I can prevent the bad guy from getting to me? And the fight component is just that. It's also thinking about what do I have available to me to defend my swift that could uh, myself with it's that just, could be blunt force. It could you know clubs, whatever it might be. It could be whatever weapon might be allowed on your college campus. It's being prepared to react. And it sound, When I talk about things like this, people say, oh, you sound paranoid. No, no, no. It's about having a plan. Having a plan is never parano- paranoid. It's just having a plan. And it's a totally different situation where these guys are ambushed, getting off a bus. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah, think absolutely. there's much you can do when a crazy man uh, no. with a gun. I, I, there's nothing. I, I mean, there's very little you could do. No, no. And, and again, that's why I said so much of this doesn't apply to the Virginia situation. You know, Walking off a bus, how do you respond to that? Get down, get get out of the line of fire, protect yourself as best you can, uh, because you're so limited. And that may very well be why this guy picked this particular place to launch this ambush. Guy Relford here on 93 WIBC, Hammer and Nigel Show. I was wondering what you thought about this uh, ballot initiative in Oregon that they're all patting themselves on the back about uh, basically making it even harder for law-abiding citizens to obtain a firearm. And this is like going on all, all over the country right now. Yeah. So all the leftists 
activists are patting themselves on the back saying, hey, we're making it even more difficult for law-abiding citizens. I mean, they got to go through um, a, a bunch of different hoops to to get a gun. Yeah, and, and, and just as you said, let's, let's talk about you know exactly the context, which is this is just to buy a gun. Right, it's not to have a handgun license, right? Just to buy a gun, you have to first be licensed by the state as someone who's appropriate to even buy a gun. That involves a mandatory training program, and the state can make that training program whatever they want to. Um, it involves being fingerprinted, and so you're, you're you're being treated like a criminal just because you want to exercise your Second Amendment rights. Um, and 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 it involves then the state putting you through a background check where they get to decide whether or not you're an appropriate person to go buy a gun. And this is before you go in the gun, the gun shop and then go through the additional background check that the gun shop's going to put you through to buy your gun. So it's exactly as you said, Nigel, it's about putting hurdles uh, between law-abiding citizens and their ability to exercise their Second Amendment rights. And something they're already talking about, the Second Amendment Foundation, a, a person I've, I've met, I really respect, the head of the Second Amendment Foundation, a guy named Alan Gottlieb, they're already talking about the lawsuit they're going to file over this thing unfolding in Oregon. And under the new Supreme Court rules, as announced just this year in, in, uh, in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, um, they're going to have a tough road to hoe. They're going to say, these kind of restrictions, that is the government preemptively saying, you can't even possess a gun, buy a gun, acquire a gun, unless we give you permission first, they're going to have to establish that that kind of a restriction is supported by the text of the Second Amendment, as well as the history and tradition of regulating guns in America. Go go back to you know Revolutionary War era America and see whether something like that existed. Yeah, good luck with that. So there's going to be a huge legal challenge, and the and the the gun control proponents patent themselves on the back in Oregon right now ought to be um, a little concerned about what the U.S. Supreme Court's going to have to say about that. Got about a minute left here. Um, the midterm election results. The Senate has officially gone to the Democrats, and NBC called the House for the Republicans earlier, but it's a razor thin margin. We're talking about three seats. Looking into that crystal ball of yours here, Guy, what's this going to mean for uh, gun rights and gun activists and law-abiding citizens and everybody and in between? Well, in terms of you know Biden's agenda, like something like an assault weapon ban, being able to get through uh, both houses, the Senate uh, <clears throat> and the House of Representatives, I mean, that, that's very unlikely with, with representatives taking over uh, the House. The concern I have, Jason, is, um, <clears throat> is revolves around the control of the Senate. And that is that um, what people don't think enough about. You know, people think about, oh well, if it, if it's split, the, the the Democrats have the Senate and and uh, the Republicans have the House, we don't have to worry about anything. Nothing's going to pass. You know what they're not thinking about? They're not thinking about judicial nominations. And, and God forbid we yeah. lose a Supreme Court justice while Biden's still in the White House. Who decides who the next Supreme Court justice is? That's Biden and the Senate. That's it. Ends there, right? Advice and control of this, or uh, advice and consent, I should say, of the Senate is what it says in the Constitution. So Biden and the Senate control who not goes to, not only just the Supreme Court, but all the other federal courts. And and when people are out talking against Republicans in the Senate, even Republicans uh, criticizing. Republicans in the Senate. I get it. You know, I, the whole rhino discussion, I get it. Out of control spending, I get it. But don't forget for a minute how important it is that Republicans control the Senate as opposed to the Democrats because of judicial nominations. They can fundamentally change life in America through the court system. And let's not forget that. If anybody wants to ask you a question or get more information, where can they go? Uh, RelfordLaw.com is the best place to contact me, man. RelfordLaw.com. Guy, thank you. Always a pleasure, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.
Big Nudge. Yeah. According to a new survey from the staffing firm Robert Half, which I have no idea who they are. Who? Uh, Robert Half, which is a staffing firm, says that 57% of American companies plan to give out bonuses this year. This is up oh, from the previous two years. Does this years. mean our previous owners will give us the bonuses of the OS? <laughs> <laughs> is that what this is supposed to mean? Oh, Nigel, you and your drugs. <laughs> Again, so, okay, so I don't two, think that's happening. So two, two years, so a couple of years, you know, no Christmas parties, no Christmas bonuses. The past couple of years have been hard, and now most companies, according to this survey, half half of American companies are are awarding bonuses again this year. I like that. Yes. Reward your employees. Right. And don't give them the jelly of the month club like (laughs) Clark Griswold. Give them something they can actually use. Um, Well, I hope they bring back a... I I wonder what Urban One is doing in terms of a holiday party. Because they used to have... In this building that we're still in, uh, even though it's under new... uh, You know, they... Our owners don't own us anymore. We're still in the same building, right? They used right. to do casino night down in that lobby. And it was great. A top shelf, open bar, right. casino night, uh, funny money, stuff like that. It was really good. And you'd win tickets with your funny money, and you could bid on items. And <laughs> I think last year they had one, but it was bowling up at 96th Street in Woodland, and it was during our show. It was from 3 to 7. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically Thanks. from 3 until Thanks. 7. Appreciate it. <laughs> Would have loved to have gone to the holiday party last year, but we had to work. <laughs> We're too busy making you money. That's how we get down here at the Hammer and Nigel Show. Top stories next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! You know, Hammer, I feel like the thing with the midterms is it takes me back to 2020 when we went to bed after the uh, you know the election the polls closed and Trump would look like he was going to win and then you woke up the next morning and like nope no <laughs> kind of like that's what uh, you know you go to bed you think there's going to be a red tsunami a red wave and then you wake up the next morning and nope no and so with that being said it's been about a week the dust has settled uh, let's do some midterm stuff polling. Debates, Fetterman. Eagles are so much better than Eagles. <laughs> Midterm stuff. I'm going to be saying that all week long. Oh uh, well, the Eagles are on Monday Night Football tonight, right? They're playing tonight, <laughs> yeah, and they, they play the Colts Colt. coming up this Sunday. <laughs> Eagles. God, I can't get it out of my head. So NBC <laughs> has called the House. For the Republicans. Really? NBC News says that it's a razor thin margin. I just looked up at Fox News and said it's they haven't called it yet. It's too close to call. Right. Fox has not called it yet. Did you say NBC News did? Right. NBC News this morning said the Republicans will win the House 219 to 216. That is a razor-thin margin right there. A far cry from the 20 seats that they thought they were going to roll with. None of this stuff... I feel like that's exactly what happened. We went to bed and nope, no red wave. And by the way, uh, no Senate. And there's a possibility that uh, no House either. It's, um, uh, you know, I I think leading up to the midterms is what I... 
I, I saw the red wave coming because, like, I thought, like, all the polling numbers, people, candidates were uh, so close in the polls where they shouldn't have been close. You know, Republican candidates, Democrat, blue states and cities were doing so well in the polls. And, 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 and plus, you know, just by uh, virtue of Joe Biden's uh, approval numbers down in the dumps would, would think would be an indictment uh, there for Democrats as a whole. But no, that's not the case. I, I think the days of a wave of any kind have come to an end because the way the states are structured now, right? Well, There's really just a couple legit swing states. Florida, I think we'll agree, is a red state now. Pennsylvania is a blue state. Uh, really, it comes down to like Arizona, Wisconsin, and maybe Nevada, depending on what happens with Nevada, because they have a Republican governor, it looks like, but their senators went blue. Yeah. So the days of a wave of either color, I think, have come to an end. But still, this was a colossal letdown by the Republicans. There were some bad Republican candidates. There was. Bad leadership and bad candidates. And here is Rick Scott. Well, here's here's what we saw. We saw that the Democrats weren't getting their votes out. We saw as we got closer, the polls got better. But here's what happened to us. Election day, our voters didn't show up. We didn't get enough voters. It's a complete disappointment. I think we've got it. We've got to, we've got to re reflect now. What didn't happen? I think we didn't have enough of a positive message. We said everything about how bad the Biden agenda was. They, it's bad. The Democrats are radical. But we have to have a plan of what we stand for. That was a senator from Florida, Rick Scott, right? Correct. That that was? Correct. Yeah, everything you said makes total sense. Uh, now, uh, looking on, on the flip side of the of the midterms here, a week now, um, absolutely agree with that. Now, a lot of people feel like Rick Scott's trying to, I don't know if weasel is the right word, but weasel his way into becoming the minority leader instead oh, of Mitch McConnell. Oh, yeah, that vote's coming up this week. But oh, it feels oh, like, oh. honestly, to me, that's kind of a lateral move. That's like if you're witnessing a fight in the street and Clay Aiken's in it, and you take him out and you put in Richard Simmons instead. <laughs> you're not really getting anything better. About? It's a lateral move. Uh, now, Ted Cruz, on the other hand, he's mad as hell. Here's Ted Cruz uh, yeah. talking about the disaster of the Republican midterms. This opportunity was screwed up. It was screwed up badly, and the people are going to pay the price are the American people. The country is screwed for the next four years because of this. We're going to see horrible left-wing judges confirmed for the next two years because of this. We're going to see judges taking away our free speech rights, our religious liberty rights, our Second Amendment rights. It is an enormous missed opportunity, and, and, and i got to say it, it is hard to describe my feelings as anything other than rage right now missed opportunity that sums it up right there because it's all right there for you the crime numbers the economy the drugs the border but bad candidates and bad leadership led to this if nbc news is correct and again they're the only ones calling this the republicans win the house but it's only by three seats and you still lost the Senate, and you might lose another seat. We've got Georgia having a runoff coming up. Here's a little bit more, because Ted Cruz did this interview with Ben Ferguson, and Ted Cruz isn't real happy with one cocaine Mitch. <laughs> but if you look at this last cycle, Mitch McConnell pulled the money out of Arizona. We could have won Arizona. We nearly won Arizona, and abandoning Blake Masters was indefensible. 
Mitch Why pulled, did that happen? I got to ask you because everybody simple. is going to say the same thing I am right now. Explain to me, Senator, why in a race where the polling showed that we had a legitimate chance of winning there, why did he pull out that money from Masters who desperately needed it? Because Masters said he would vote against Mitch McConnell. And so Mitch would rather be leader than have a Republican majority. If there's a Republican who can win who's not going to support Mitch, the truth of the matter is he'd rather the Democrat win. So he pulled all the money out of Arizona. And the truth is Mitch McConnell hadn't done squat. He hasn't done anything during his time as leader, uh, minority leader and uh, um, uh, Senate majority leader under Trump. I mean, he did, I mean the Supreme Court was one thing. That was a good thing. That he did. So um, I, I think there is a I think there's a vote this week. He's rushing to get that vote for a minority leader. And when you talk about the runoff election in Georgia, this is still important because if the Democrats end up having a two seat yeah. advantage, then they can overcome Manchin and Cinema, the, the usual voices of reason in the Senate. And they can still get their way because of the tiebreaker is going to be Kamala Harris. And what concerns me is that a lot of Republicans in Georgia now know the result is already over, right? The Democrats are going to have yeah. the majority. Is that going to keep some Republicans at home? And Kemp is not on the ballot. This is a midterm, I'm sorry, a runoff just for the Senate here. Kemp was popular. I think a lot of his voters voted straight ticket just for him. Is Herschel Walker going to get the same action? Man, I don't think he's going to. And this is going to be bad news for the Senate. And by the way, Arizona, count the damn votes. It's embarrassing. Come on. Think about this. A hurricane has gone through Florida. They have cleaned up the hurricane. A second one on the other side. They have well. fixed the roads. They have fixed the infrastructure. And we still haven't finished counting the votes in Arizona. We still don't know who the governor is. It's a dead heat. It was close again this morning. I think they said like 94, 95% of the vote is in. And the Democrat who's going up against Carrie Lake, uh, the Republican, uh, Katie Hobbs, is the Secretary of State in right. Arizona. Who's in charge, charge of the elections. Horrible job. Count the damn she votes. Have, she should have recused herself when, when she announced she was running for governor. So, again, this Georgia runoff, it's important, but I just got a bad feeling about this. It just feels like something isn't really going to go the Republicans' way here. Cameron Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? Oh, yeah, Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I will run a couple different stories by you. You break down all the information and you give us a verdict. Is this story anything or not? Alrighty. Is this anything? A flight heading to Tampa had to divert to Atlanta because a man with a box cutter was making threats to Whoa. other passengers. Whoa. Luckily, Veterans on board were able to defuse the situation and subdue the man. Here is veteran Larry Cumberbatch talking about taking action to keep everybody safe on the flight. The lady came up and told us that the person sitting in the center seats had a weapon and showed it to them and said he's going to cut multiple people on the flight. And he has a weapon 
and I don't know what kind of weapon it is. But basically, said, yeah. hey, uh, I'm gonna be sitting here from now on. And then he said, uh, no, the young lady's sitting here. He got like frantic. He said, oh no. And then he got up, went to the back of the plane. He was um, concerned that maybe his movement was gonna go towards them and her and harm them. And then he just grabbed them, beer hug, you know, and they fell. Is that? Wow. A, a, a couple of questions. Yes, this is something. The veteran's a hero. Two, how does a box cutter get through TSA? I mean, hell, that's what they used on 9-11. Box cutters, for right. God's sake. That said, chills down my spine when I heard that. The whole point I, of the TSA yeah. is to prevent things from 9-11 happening again. I mean, how does that something like that get through? Uh, shoot, I've had... Uh, you know, everything but a hand stuck up my keister when going through the TSA. You got to pay extra I, for I, that. I, <laughs> <laughs> I sat there. My daughter had, had tears streaming down her face thinking that I did something wrong last year while she watched some guy grope me in front of hundreds and hundreds of people. And you're telling me a box cutter gets through? Uh, that's unbelievable. No, the, the, the veteran is a hero, uh, ran towards the danger, obviously. That's what veterans do. And uh, I, I'm glad it didn't turn out uh, worse for him or but the I'm with people you. on that or the people on that flight. I'm with you. It feels like the lead was buried here. Yes, thank you to the veteran who saved the flight, but how the hell does the box cutter get on board in the first place? I have to take my shoes off, my belt off. I have to deal oh, with the guy with the yeah. rubber glove who oh, sometimes was, isn't really gentle. I was rubber gloved. I mean, I was, I mean, it was, he asked me if I wanted to go into a private room. <laughs> right. It was on our way to Florida last year. And my, and my, and, and like, so I'm standing there and I'm like, no, just get it over with. And uh, they were going to search my daughter. Uh, that's how it all started. They were going to, I'm like, no, you're not doing that. I'll do it. Right. And they did some swab and something came up, you know, off her hand and caused something to go off. I go, no, you're not, you're not doing any search on my daughter. She's like, okay, we'll, we'll search you instead. Good. And like, like he used the back of his hand. Like seriously, I was wearing these pants. Look at these. Like he used the back of his hand to go down my midsection. Right. I mean, he touched the marbles, man. Right. Like not with his, you know, with the. It was, it was the real thing. He got it, down to the Frank and the beans. <laughs> yeah, it was totally. I mean, we, I, you know, we got to go to Florida. All right, I, so I got, I got manhandled, but the, but you know, the downside. They give you an I, extra pillow to sit on for the flight, but you got to go to Florida. So it's, I'm flummoxed that something like that made it through TSA when they do such uh, tough background uh, or uh, security searches. Um, Unbelievable, going through. Wow, is this anything? Morrissey was appearing Saturday night in L.A. to a sold-out show at the Greek Theater. Not only was he 30 minutes late on stage, but he quit after 30 minutes. He only did five songs. Here's the end of the last one. He says, cheers, quietly, and he just leaves. His band, I think they're kind of hung out to dry. They continued to play for a little bit, and then they left. Ultimately, the promoter came out and gave some sort of half-assed announcement. Cheers. Cheers. I'm Morrissey. Everybody at this evening made a work announcement. I'm very sorry, but due to unforeseen circumstances, the show is not going to continue. I'm very sorry. We'll see you next time. Apologies. Marcy, cheers, everybody. Five songs. That was probably, he had it in his contract to, to get paid. You have to at least stay on stage for a certain amount of time and or perform a, perform a certain number of songs. And he was like, I'm out. This place was packed. It was a great theater in L.A. Now, I'm not a Morrissey fan. I don't know. I couldn't, I, I couldn't tell you. 
Like, I wouldn't hear a song come on the radio and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I recognize that. That's Morrissey. He used to be the lead singer for the Smiths in the 80s. So I think it's a real jerk move. Uh, I did mention, I'm reading this article, he did mention on stage early into the set of only five songs that it was cold during the show. It's cold out here. It's cold. Oh, it's cold. So I don't know what happened. I don't know the background here. Uh, I would. I mean, but jerk move and a real wuss move for an artist to do that and just leave. Leave his band. Like what you heard right there. His band stood on stage for like two minutes, not knowing what the hell was going on before the promoter had to walk out on stage due to unforeseen circumstances. We have to. You know, we have to cancel the show. So, pretty weak move, unless there's something I'm missing here about Morrissey not not doing his own dirty work. And right. Saying, if there's some other story, okay. Yeah. But if it was cold, was his excuse? Tell that to like the truck driver that paid to go see <laughs> yeah. you, or somebody that lays, you know, asphalt for a living out in 110 degree I, heat. I, I don't. I don't like to stereotype too much. I could safely say that there's probably not a lot of truck drivers <laughs> listening to Morrissey. I don't know. Well, you kind of lost me earlier when you said somebody might say, hey, is that Morrissey? Turn it up. <laughs> My response, hey, is that Morrissey? Turn it off. <laughs> is this anything? A British man yeah. has broken the Guinness World Record for solving the most Rubik's Cubes in one day. Cool. Here's the moment that he finally broke the record solving 6,931 Jeez. cubes in 24 hours. I think before I die, I'd like to solve a Rubik's Cube. That's on my bucket list. Just one time. I, just one time. I, I've never, have you ever solved a Rubik's Cube? In Does life? taking the stickers off count? <laughs> I mean, for God's I've done sake. that. I, 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 like, I, I mean, I have no clue. I, I, I've had one since I was a kid. My kids have one. No clue. Just, I, I mean, it, it, it looks like. And so this guy solved how many? What was the number in 24 hours? 6,931. Yeah. A few things I want to do before I die. I'd like to, uh, you know, take like a Mediterranean cruise, go see the world, and solve a Rubik's Cube on my own without any help. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Don't watch it, pervert! You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hey, bro, you mind putting on some pants? I find it a little weird. I have to ask twice. On 93 WIBC. Uh, is the Hammer and Nigel Show, are we on Truth Social? That's Trump's social network platform. Are we on that? We are. We're not too active on it, but we're on there. Every once in a while, we'll put a All little right. something up. I might have to download. I don't have the app. I don't even have the app, but I... Would probably do it just because Trump has been very active lately on his uh, social media platform. So are we going to get an announcement <laughs> tomorrow or not? Because Donald Trump's doing some big event tomorrow. And originally, this was hyped up to be like an announcement of some kind. So everybody thought, this is it. He's going to announce that he's running for president tomorrow. But you sent me something, because I was off on Thursday and Friday, you sent me something that said that might not be the case. Well, he's going to surround himself. I, I read a thing that it's not going to be an announcement, but he's going to hold this forum where he's surrounding himself with all the midterm success stories of the candidates that he backed. So I assume Dr. Oz was not invited. <laughs> His invitation got lost in the mail, I'm assuming. I don't know what's true. I don't know. That's just what I read. I thought I sent that to you guys, but uh, I, I'm not exactly sure. So this is what uh, the former president wrote on Truth Social. Quote, it's Mitch McConnell's fault. 
<laughs> spending money to defeat Republican candidates instead of backing Blake Masters and others was a big mistake. Giving $4 trillion to the radical left for the Green New Deal, not infrastructure, was an even bigger mistake. He blew the midterms, and everyone despises him and his otherwise lovely wife, Coco Chow. That's what <laughs> the president, former president, wrote on Truth Social. Well, I mean, that's what Ted Cruz was saying in the clip that we played earlier. Uh, right. Mitch McConnell, what a huge mistake it was pulling money out of Arizona. But replacing him with, like, Rick Scott is a lateral move, I think. If you're going to blow this thing up, like, if you're going to tank, tank. Get some new life in there. I don't know if that's Rand Paul. I don't know if that's Ted Cruz. I don't know if he even wants to do it. But you're going to have to get somebody totally different that's got a little life. Because Rick Scott's dropped the ball on a number of issues, too. It was Rick Scott that said he thought the Republicans were going to win 53, possibly 54 seats in the Senate. Now, there are reports starting to circulate that Jim Banks, here from Indiana, very interested in the whip position. Whip. Whip with a hard H, like Stewie would say. Whip. (laughs) Um, He, according to a report from the Washington Times will endorse Donald Trump whenever he decides to announce. So I guess my question to you, is that the right strategy for a guy who a lot of people feel like has got a great future in the Republican Party? Banks, yeah, that he's going to endorse Trump if he announces? Um, Yeah, I mean, there's still got a heavy base in this country for Donald Trump. Let's not forget that. I mean, there's still tons of people. I mean, you see those rallies that he's been doing over the past couple of months. It's it's close to, you know, those 2020 rallies that he was doing leading up to the election. But is it too soon for that? Like, why not just wait? Let things play out a little bit. Uh, See what happens. Is he going to get indicted? Is he even going to announce? I mean, what's the rush? Here's that. Here's what I was talking about earlier. This is from what was this from Newsmax? Former President Trump won't officially announce his 2024 race on Tuesday, but he'll surround himself with his success stories from the 2022 midterm races. This is what, uh, this is according to Dick Morris uh, from Newsmax said. Okay. All right. Well, if that's the case, we'll keep an eye on it, but I just think it's too early for people to start endorsing candidates. I think it's, but just a side note, I think it's pretty cool that Tucker Carlson's kid is Jim Banks' communications guy. Yeah. Did you know that? Like he's on his, he's on Jim Banks' staff. Right. I forget, I don't know what his name is. Uh, is it Buck? Buckley? Buckley. Buckley Carlson? Yes. Uh, I think that's kind of cool. Just communications guy, yeah. which makes sense. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of people that feel like Banks is one of the guys that could have a seat in the new majority that the Republicans would host in the House. Um, but we'll see. Is it going to be Kevin McCarthy as the leader? I hope not. I hope they move on from Kevin McCarthy. Again, you got to change things up just a little bit. You have the majority, according to NBC. They've called it for the Republicans. They're the only ones. But it's razor thin. Three seats. So, I don't know. Whatever you're doing right now isn't working, isn't resonating. I think you have to have wholesale changes. Did you catch any of Chappelle? on Saturday Night Live this past weekend. Just the, none of the skits, just uh, the opening monologue. He had some pretty good stuff on Trump right? Uh, during the opening monologue. It was like 15-minute opening monologue. It was, by the way. It was long. a long one. So this is uh, Dave Chappelle on why Donald Trump, his time is not over and why people still love him. 
And I'm watching the news now. They're declaring the end of the Trump era. Now, okay, I can see how in New York you might believe this is the end of his era. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. I live in Ohio amongst the poor whites. <laughs> A lot of you don't understand why Trump was so popular, but I, I get it because I hear it every day. He's what I call an honest liar. Well, I'm not joking right now. He's an honest liar. That first debate, that first debate, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen a white male billionaire screaming at the top of his lungs. This whole system is rigged, he said. And across the stage was a white woman, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, sitting over there looking at him like, no, it's not. I said, now, wait a minute, bro. It's what he said. And the moderator said, well, Mr. Trump, if in fact the system is rigged, what would be your evidence? He said, I know the system is rigged because I use it. I said, God. <laughs> so you're right. This was a long monologue, but he ultimately goes into Donald Trump is a truthful liar. He told you how rigged the system was. He knows it because he does it and he uses it. Well, I don't know. What, what, what about that is a truthful liar? I mean, like, it's true. Right. I don't know where he gets a liar part when he's talking uh, talking about this. Not that I'm dissecting here Dave Chappelle's routine about Trump. It was pretty funny. Here's a little bit more. If you want me to pay my taxes, then change the tax code. But I know you won't because your friends and your donors enjoy the same tax breaks that I do. And with that, my friends, a star was born. <laughs> no one had ever seen anything like that. No one had ever seen somebody come from inside of that house, outside and tell all the commoners, we are doing everything that you think we are doing <laughs> inside of that house. They just went right back in the house and started playing the game again. His point was like Hillary Clinton said, Yo, Donald Trump doesn't pay his taxes. And he's like, yeah, I don't. Because that's, you know, you don't like me not paying your taxes, change the tax code, but you won't because all your rich donor friends will get mad at you. Right. So All your billionaire, millionaire friends will be upset with you. They're all doing the same thing. Right. What everybody thinks we're doing in that big that mansion over there, we are doing it. Um, this air show disaster in Dallas over the weekend. Oh, that was awful. Did you see the video? Yeah, I didn't retweet it, man. No. I, I didn't. I, I, I watched. I saw it once, not even knowing what I was watching. I wouldn't have watched it if I would have known what that was. Uh, a yeah, it's B-17 awful. flying fortress. Thing, man. And a Bell P-63 King Cobra collided in midair and crashed to the ground. This was in Dallas over the weekend. This is just some audio captured by spectators when those two planes collided. Uh, we still don't know exactly what happened other than the planes collided. We don't know why. We know there's six people that are dead, not on the ground. They were all uh, flying in that show. It seems like those air shows. I've never been to one before. I've seen a ton of footage of, of them on, on social media and uh, just YouTube and stuff. They look awesome. I'd love to go see an air show, but how dangerous can it be? For those pilots up there, it's right. going to be incredibly dangerous. And there's evidence right there. This, I mean, B 17 is a gigantic plane, and the plane that hit it that collided with it was relatively small, and it took everybody out. And it is just devastating.
Yeah, I've been to one air show and it is fun to watch, man. Yeah. It's amazing to watch them do those, you know, acrobatics in sure. the air, but I can see how there would be some situations like this. And this isn't the first time that this has happened. You go back over the last 20, 30 years, there have been a number of these yeah. accidents that have taken place at air shows. Uh, when we come back here, we got a little something more fun for you. If you're in the holiday spirit, one of your favorite movies may be a Christmas story. We have an update on the house next. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Can you believe these animals? What the hell's happening to this country? On 93 WIBC. Coming up here in just a moment, is he in or is he out? Is Boss Hogsett going to run for mayor again? We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige is here. Hello. It's a very special anniversary. I can't believe kids are even in school today, Nige. 25 years ago today, on this date, Celine Dion dropped her fifth album, <laughs> Let's Talk About Love, featuring the hit My Heart Will Go On, oh, okay. which right. would become the theme song to Titanic. Titanic. And become a song at every person's right. we wedding. We should be at home celebrating this anniversary. This should be a federal holiday. Let's jump back in the hot tub time machine here and hammer and Nigel show history. The year was 2019. Our promotion staff gave us tickets to go see Celine Dion to give away. Do you remember this? <laughs> yes. So we decided to play a game called Hey Man, Wanna Go See Celine? where we had caller number nine on the line. And if you or I could talk one of our friends into saying, yeah, we'll have a dude's night out of Celine Dion, <laughs> that caller got the tickets. So wait, so so that's where I called my buddy out of the blue. It's like, hey, let's let's go to Celine Dion. Right. right? Just to see what he'd say. We've got like that. Dudes don't ask dudes to go to Celine Dion. Right. Right. And I called Dan Dockich. Hello. Coach, it's Hammer. What's up, buddy? Nothing. What's going on? Nothing. Hey, I got a question for you. Uh, Tuesday, December 3rd, uh, do you want to go have a dude's night out with a bunch of us? We're going to go see Celine Dion, and uh, <laughs> it's going to get a bunch of dudes together. Do you want to go downtown? What are you talking about? A bunch of dudes together to go see Celine Dion? I'll pass. No. <laughs> no, come on. It's going to be fun. Really Nigel's going to go. Uh, I think we're going to get some other people around the station to go. Um, I mean, listen, you don't have to like our music to have a good time. And we got free tickets from the station. I'll tell you what. I'll meet you somewhere and have a bite to eat, but I'm not going. No. What if I told you we had somebody that was a designated driver and Nigel's wife pulled some strings and I think we get free beer at the show? <laughs> Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah, I'm in. You in? Okay, yeah. cool. So the caller got the tickets because I was able to talk the coach into going. And who was the buddy that you called? Mark. This is my buddy, Mark. Hello? Mark. What's going on? Hey, I got three words for you. Guys, night out. Okay. What am yeah. I supposed to do with those three? Yeah, what's up? I just not you, know, you and I, all our friends are getting older now, but I've got uh, some tickets to a show coming up, a concert. And uh, okay. I thought it'd be, I don't know, I thought it'd be cool for like me and you and, I don't know, Fisher and, and Wojo or whoever to uh, <laughs> maybe get together and have, I've got these tickets to the show. 
And uh, <laughs> I figure maybe we could just have a night of it, you know? Who's performing? How, how many uh, Celine Dion songs can you name off the top of your head? Uh, man, maybe five. Whoa, five? My heart will go on. Let's see. Cause I'm your baby, <laughs> or something like that. If you'll be my man. So I guess uh, what I'm saying is I've 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 got tickets to Celine Dion. I thought figure we get the guys together on, and 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 head out. And I was gonna run it run it by you and see what you thought. Well, we got to do dinner beforehand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the caller won the tickets. <laughs> I forgot about that. Of course. We got to do dinner beforehand. We got to do dinner before we go see Celine Dion. <laughs> oh, God. He was so. He, I remember him being almost wrecked that that was a prank, that that wasn't real. <laughs> he was like, so wait a minute. We're not, we're not going to see Celine Dion? We're not going to go have a dude's night out? <laughs> well, happy anniversary to Celine Dion 25 years ago. My heart will go on. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. Hammer, we've been talking a lot about how, I mean, we've been speculating if Donald Trump is going to run in 2024, who else is going to put their name in the hat, and that's on a national level. But we do have an election next year in Marion County mayoral uh, election with Joe Hogsett, is he going to run for a third term? Now, the last time he was re-elected in a landslide, I think he got like 72% of the vote in Marion County, the speculation was that was going to be it. Because I believe Boss Hogsett thought he was going to get some sort of cush job in the Biden administration. Well, not only that, but he's gone on record as saying he uh, is for term limits. You know, for he's on the record calling for two term limits for mayor of Indianapolis. But the gig that he was wanting, I think, went to Keisha Lance Bottoms, the former mayor of Atlanta. So here's Joe Hogsett, good old boss Hogsett here in Indianapolis. He doesn't have anything to fall back on. So it sounds like he is close to announcing he's going to run again in Marion County. Hmm. So he's got an event tomorrow. It's at the Tomlinson Tap, and he put out an email blast. So if you subscribe to Joe Hogsett's email blast, you are given some sort of invitation to attend this event tomorrow. He's going to make his intentions known tomorrow, one way or the other. Of course, it's at a bar. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So, but on this invitation, and it was sent to us from somebody who got one, He's asking for donations of 20 bucks, 50 bucks, or 100 bucks to Hogsett for Indianapolis. Oh, sure sounds to me like he's running. Right. Even though, again, he called. I was just reading uh, Indy Star this morning. Uh, uh, Briggs, there is sort of a left leading opinion writer there. He was even like, okay, it looks like Hogsett's running, but somebody needs to have a conversation with this guy. He's the one that called for term limits. He said he wasn't going to do it for more than two terms. What, what's happening? Why wouldn't, you know, what's going on here? Now, what we know about Marion County is that you could dig up the corpse of a Civil War veteran. As long as there's a D next to their name, they're probably yes. going to win. But there could be an interesting primary 
because there's competition now. Democrat Robin Shackelford, she is a black woman. She has already announced that she is in this thing. She is in it to win it. If she were to win, she would be the city's first female and first black mayor. We could also see Vop Osley, the head of the city county council. So the Democrat primary could be Ooh. really interesting here. Um, so Joe Hogsett's events tomorrow sounds like he's going to run again. I would like to see a Democratic primary for mayor in Marion County. I would where, too. Where were you the night on the uh, of the riots? You think that question would be asked or challenged by any of the other Democrats that may be running against him? If I'm Robin Shackelford, that's question one. Question one and question yeah, two she's is, running, where were you the night of the riots and can you prove she's it? She's running heavy on fighting crime. Right. I mean, that's a big, big deal for her platform. Meanwhile, for the Republicans... <laughs> doesn't matter. Jason Hammer running. <laughs> Dan Dockage running for mayor. Hey, maybe Abdul will throw his name in oh, the hat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You were gone uh, Friday. We talked about that. Uh, the Wish TV, Wish our news gathering partners, Wish TV had a big article about who might be running for mayor. And the, at the end, they mentioned Abdul, and I asked him about that. He's like, well, I, you know, in, 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 he wasn't. He was non-committal, but he said he's looking at, at a Republican run pot. Possibly. Okay, so you're looking forward to getting beat 60% to 40% because that's the way the voting structure is set up in Marion County. Like Cindy Carrasco in the prosecutor's race, she had money, she had commercials. She was competent. She was competent. She ran what I thought was a pretty decent campaign. But she still lost 60% to 40% because that's exactly how the registered voters are in Marion County. It's almost three to one Democrat. You can't overcome that. It's so difficult. Straight ticket, boy. Straight ticket is how Ryan Mears got to that 60% level. So God bless whoever wants to run as a Republican. If the question is, is there any hope for the GOP, for the Republicans in Marion County, I will defer to our pal, Dr. Evil. How about you? <laughs> no. No, there's not. But there could be a primary, and maybe if Robin Shackelford and possibly Vop Osley or whoever else wants to run, if there's a debate, you have to ask Boss Hogsett, where were you the night of the debate, the night of the riots, mm -hmm. and can you back it up? And to a lesser extent, um, not as important as that, but equally as relevant is why you're calling for term limits for mayor and you're running for a third term. Right. 100%. Uh, President Biden and President Xi of China opened up their first in-person meeting earlier today. This is the... Uh, first since Biden took office about two years ago. Did you see the outfit Biden had on? He was wearing like a China President Xi type of shirt. So was Justin Trudeau. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just really and Is bizarre. that customary for them to do that? I don't know. At this point, I'm just surprised that Joe Biden didn't talk to him the way that the grandparents talked to Long Duck Dong and 16 <laughs> Candles. <laughs> Where is my automobile? Can't you see Joe Biden doing that to President no. Xi? I think we all can. Dong, where is my automobile? 
So they greeted each other with a handshake at this luxury uh, resort. We're going to be lucky if he doesn't hand over the nuke codes. I mean, that's where we're at with Joe Biden, right? Would you be uh, shocked? I'm not I'm not even trying to be over the top. Would you be shocked if Joe Biden came back and said, I gave him the nuke codes, but I got these magic beans. <laughs> and he holds up a bag of beans. That's where we're at with Joe Biden. Um, man, this story from Virginia, just heartbreaking. A man is in custody after shooting five students at the University of Virginia, killing three of them. It's a former football player yeah. that shot and killed three current football and players. I thought I read that he was known. He was somebody that was, quote, known to police as well. Man, I'm tired of hearing that police knew about the suspect. We knew about the same this guy. Thing, yeah. Like we heard that in Parkland, right? Oh, he was known. Yeah, he wanted to be a school shooter. Like, man, come on. We can sit here and debate gun laws all you want. And people are doing that right now. But we've got to get to a point to where if you see a crazy bastard, we have to by all the rules of the Constitution, be able to do something about crazy bastard. Because this is ridiculous. Um, so it's a former football player that shot and killed three of them as they made their way off of this bus. It was like a campus bus that was coming back from some event. And I guess it was like an ambush. There's no possible way you can defend yourself, I think, in something like that. No possible way to defend yourself. I don't think we have a motive yet. We, there's just a lot we still don't know. This happened early this morning, like uh, just after midnight. The governor of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, tweeted, This morning, Suzanne and I are praying for the UVA community. Virginia State Police is fully cooperating with the UVA Police Department and local authorities. Uh, Kirk Herbstreet, who's the college football announcer for ESPN, he tweets, what has taken place at Virginia is truly heartbreaking. My deepest condolences to Coach Tony Ellett and all of the UVA football program and to the families of Deshaun Perry, Lavelle Davis Jr., and Devin Chandler and to the entire Charlottesville community. And I mentioned earlier, there is a gun debate happening. Shannon Watts of Moms Demand Action, she tweets, quote, You'll be glad to know the governor of Virginia, a lifetime NRA member, is praying for the University of Virginia. Yeah, anybody that slams someone else or saying thoughts and prayers or think, you know, has a has a, an, an agenda. Just be aware of that. So it, when 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 a tragedy happens and or I guess it's, I, I mean this was an atrocity. This is horrific. And somebody says, "Screw your thoughts and prayers." Basically, they have a an agenda and they're using it to perpetuate it. Now, earlier today, once we knew who the suspect was, the Washington Post put out a story and a tweet. They have since deleted this tweet, but screenshots exist. I think we retweeted it earlier. It was a picture of the gunman, who is a black kid, and the headline says, suspected UVA gunman had troubled childhood, but then flourished. It was oh. almost like a positive, uplifting story about hey. this scumbag that took three innocent lives, tried to take multiple more after that. Now, listen, I'm not trying to make race involved in everything here, but let's not ignore what's happening. If this were a white gunman, do you think the Washington Post would have had the headline of troubled no, childhood, no, no, but no. then he flourished? No, no, no way. Not a chance. Disgusting.
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Are you really okay? Are you okay? Everything's gonna be okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty f***ing far from okay. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel show. Oh, yeah! <laughs> I'm watching the video of this right now. It's hilarious. Uh, Hammer rapper DJ Khaled sat courtside at a basketball game in Miami and had a pillow at his feet, for his feet. He was resting <laughs> his feet courtside with a pillow. Here are the heat announcers noticing what's going on. Now, who could that possibly be? He's got a pillow for their feet. Come on, man. (laughs) I bet my 17-year-old daughter, DJ Khaled. Oh, yes. We should have known. (laughs) And another one. That's ridiculous. (laughs) You need a pillow for your feet. Are you okay with DJ Khaled having a pillow at his feet courtside at a basketball game? No, no, I'm not. And listen, I get you've got the money. And I get that you want to show your status off to people, especially as a rapper. And DJ Khaled, his thing is he wants everybody to know who he is. Every one of his songs, he always yells out his name. DJ Khaled! Like, if you've heard, all I do is win, 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 that's him. That's his group of dudes. But no, this is ridiculous. He's got these pink Jordans (laughs) on, customized pink Air Jordans, and he's sitting courtside, and there's like a little throw pillow that's under his shoes. (laughs) I don't know if it's designed to keep his feet comfortable, or he doesn't want to get his shoes dirty. (laughs) Or he wants attention. Or he wants attention. But no, I'm not okay with this. You don't see like Jack Nicholson doing this courtside at the Lakers, right? If you're that big of a star, you don't need to bring the extra attention over there. This is ridiculous. Oh boy, he's a big boy. Oh, he's a fatty. There's no doubt. <laughs> DJ Collin is a big dude. And then there's a bunch of people at different sitting different courtside seats, like mascots mocking him now at different NBA basketball games, which is which is hilarious. I don't know. I like. I know he's a huge name, and I know I, 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 he's a big time performer. But I wouldn't recognize this guy if he walked in and kicked me in the crotch. Well, I, you would I, I know it because he'd yell his name in the okay. first five <laughs> seconds. Like DJ Collin and Pitbull, you always know when to turn the channel because they will announce their own <laughs> names. <laughs> All right, moving on. A male student at the Detroit Mercy versus Boston College game. Uh, the basketball was it? Was it college basketball? Basketball. I saw this going around over the weekend. I didn't know what to make of it. So this this dude, uh, he's trying to flirt with this hot blonde chick by showing her his Costco card. It was it was on TV. I've seen it a million times. I didn't know what was he trying to get with her or like brag to her. Hey, check out my Costco card. Yeah, like was he trying to flex? Like hey. Check this out, and are you okay with this? If that's indeed the case. So the New York Post said that he was trying to flirt with the girl. So I'm going with what the New York Post said. And again, this was a college basketball game. It was Detroit Mercy at Boston College. And the camera was like showing the bench, right, of like the team sitting there. But in the background, you you can can see see this, you know, kind of blonde-haired dude, decent-looking college guy trying to pick up this 
hot blonde chick and he gets in his wallet and he gets out his Costco card <laughs> and he shows it to her. And you can clearly see it's his Costco membership card on TV. So, yes, I am 100% on board <laughs> with this. And I know really? I'm not alone. Uh, Twitter user Gabrielle tweets, a man with his own Costco card in college, it says income. It says responsibility. <laughs> that man is ready to be a boyfriend, a husband, a father. Girl, you lock the bleep out of that down. <laughs> or or it says here, mommy and daddy gave me my own Costco card. They pay for everything I buy at Costco. Dude, if a <laughs> chick showed me her Costco card, I'd be like, let's go get one of those $1.50 big-ass hot dogs. Let's go get one of those big pieces of pizza for a dollar. Yeah. And let's go around. I'm here for that i'm down with a i'm down with a costco hot dog and yeah, to be a yeah. college kid and to have that level of prowess that's a power move right there <laughs> that kid's going to be a ceo someday i hope she hooked up with him social media video went viral of, <laughs> of an of that i just caught the i caught the tail end of that i hope she hooked up with him yes you hope he got some okay. yes a social media video went viral of an elderly walmart employee still working so she could pay off her mortgage Millions viewed this video, donated $180,000 to this woman. Her name's Nola to help her get closer to be able to retire. Here is the man that posted the video surprising Nola with the news that he helped raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for her to help pay off her mortgage. A lot of supporters that started following me wanted to try and help you retire. They saw that you're a very hard worker, obviously, and we are all super proud of you, and we wanted to offer you $110,000 that has been raised for you, if you're willing to accept. I'd accept it, but uh, I'd still have to work till I get the other 60000 paid oh. off the house. It won't take long now with all that. It won't that take money. long now. And just so you know, at the time of the video, they raised one hundred and ten grand, but now it's up to one hundred and eighty grand to pay off this elderly woman's mortgage that works at Walmart. Are you okay with this? No, I'm not okay oh, with this. So let me tell you why. No. So we're supposed to say, oh, you work at Walmart. Here's $100,000. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I got some people that work at Walmart and Beach Grove. They ain't worth a damn. <laughs> you walk into Wait that joint, those people don't deserve $100,000. I don't on. care if they're 18 or 85 years old. So if that's the bar, then the Walmart and Beach Grove, home of the famous shampoo aisle fight, should be the place where you're passing out charity money left and right. It ain't happening there. I would have donated to this uh, elderly woman's GoFundMe campaign. I think it's one of the good things about social media and uh, the internet age is where you know you could put together some charity uh, items relatively relatively uh, quickly. If you wanted to do this for a woman in 1981, that wouldn't have happened. No. Right. But at the same time, how do you know you're not being scammed? What if this old hag got together with somebody to record a <laughs> old video hag? and it went viral on purpose? What if we're all being schemed out of money here? You're a sucker for donating to this old broad. If working at Walmart means you should get $100,000, what about the other people that are doing harder jobs? Do they all get a right. Million bucks, horse crap. Let's move on. Uh, Nick Cannon had another <laughs> baby over the weekend, and the sun came up today. <laughs> Her name, Nick Cannon's new baby's name is Beautiful Zeppelin Cannon. Of course it is. The mom, this time, her name's Abby. They had twins last year, so this is baby number 11, and Nick confirmed baby number 12 is on the way. Are you okay with this? 
Listen, if Nick Cannon wants to plant that seed, be my guest. And as long as women are willing to funnel that hog, who am I to say that you shouldn't be uh, doing it? (laughs) At this point, he's got enough for an entire side of a football game. Like, you could have all cannons, whether it's offensive or defensive lineup. You have nothing but cannons lining up. So, in honor of that, what we've decided to do here at the Hammer and Nigel Show is pay tribute to my man. All right. So, when I put this song together, you know me. I'm a little bit of a Britney Spears supporter. Oh, yeah. I'm a Britney fan. Do you remember her song, Womanizer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's a little spin on that to honor our friend Nick Cannon. Super stud. Hey, what's up? How's it hanging? I think you better slow down on the banging. All these baby mamas hating on the drama when they hear you yell. Who's your daddy? Look at you, Mr. Absentee Father. Now you brag, but for you it's always harder. Things are looking grimmer because you can't control your swimmers. I know what you are. Here we go. What you are, mister. Spuminator, spuminator, oh, spuminator. You're a spuminator, wham, bam, see you later, baby. You, you, you are, you, you, you are. Infiltrator, fornicator, pollinator. It's a little tribute to uh, Nick Cannon, Bravo. inspired by Britney Spears. Sperminator, I yes. believe she would say. There. Right. Okay. Uh, Harrison Silcox, when you graduated from the University of Indianapolis, did you ever feel you were going to have a newscast after a song called Sperminator? No, I did not. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel, Jason Hammer, right over there. Colts win 25-20. Fun game to watch against the Raiders. Pretty bad Raiders team, but we'll take it under the... Uh, the new regime of Jeff Saturday uh, as the new head coach. We'll go to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on Kevin Bowen from 107.5. The fan KB, a big question, probably an easy question. Was this a better coached team than previous games under Frank Wright? Well, I would start with they certainly were a better coached team than the Raiders. Um, <laughs> okay, all right. You know, granted, I don't know how, how big of a, you know, great of a bar that is, but uh, definitely better coach. And, you know, I, I think when you look at the results you got yesterday, you finally had a lead in the first quarter. You finally had a lead at halftime. You finally had a lead going to the fourth quarter. And then you're able to finish it. Um, it is hard to argue that, you know, those results did not merit, um, you know, certainly a, a, a locker room that just reacted differently. Would they have reacted differently to any change? You know, maybe. You know, I, I do think at times in the NFL, we saw this year with Carolina earlier in the year, teams positively respond to that initial jolt of an interim coach and kind of that that wake-up call at the same time i think jeff saturday carries himself in a way that you know players did gravitate towards that uh right away i thought he's very upfront and honest and you know addressed the elephant in the room and all those things and i think players uh, really appreciated that um and then again when you're facing a team that's dealing with a lot of dysfunction like the raiders uh, as long as you stay disciplined which the colts did uh the penalty numbers probably tell it all in in out coaching them KB, uh, when I was doing the sports betting TV show four hours before kickoff, I picked the Raiders to win because I thought Sam Ellinger was going to be the quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. 
lo and behold, it turns out Matt Ryan not only, you know, was available, was activated, got the start for the Colts. What kind of boost did Matt Ryan give yesterday? Yeah, I think in the short term, he is your best option, particularly if you're going to protect like they did. I mean, the offensive line was outstanding. Um, And again, the Raiders are the worst sacking unit in the NFL. Some of of that was to be expected. Um, But Matt Ryan has hit one time in 28 pass attempts yesterday. Uh, By far the most offensive line balance you had. I mean, not only did you protect well, but, you know, unlike that Jacksonville game last month when you really just threw it, it was a lot of no huddle up tempo. Yesterday, you didn't need the no huddle and up tempo. And again, you found that balance. Jonathan Taylor had arguably his best day of the season, broke that big run there late in the third quarter. Uh, So, you know, when you support your quarterback like that, you keep him away from those kind of turnover-type moments, which, you know, he's obviously had some issues with this season. Um, You can find a lot of consistency with your offense and moving it. So, you know, there are some whispers late in the week that the Colts are going to have a very short leash on Sam Ellinger. And then, you know, the Friday press conference, boy, I walked out of there thinking to myself, I will believe Sam Ellinger is starting when I see it. It just it, it seemed like a totally different tune out of Jeff Saturday. And sure enough, he went back to the offensive meeting room after that and said, we're going with Matt Ryan. And again, when you're able to support him, he gives you, I think, the best chance to kind of consistently, methodically move the football down the field. So, Kevin, if it was indeed Jim Ursay's call to get Sam Ellinger in the lineup back when Frank Reich was still the coach, was this Jeff Saturday's call to look at Jim Ursay and say, listen, I appreciate it, but I'm not playing this dude. If you want to make me the coach, I'm playing Matt Ryan. Was that Jeff Saturday going against Jim Ursay there? Uh, correct. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what it was. I think it's Jeff Saturday saying, um, I need full autonomy with playing time decisions. And that's what you had. Jim Ursay wanted Sam Ellinger to start and wanted Matt Ryan to bench you know, well before it actually took place. I'm kind of talked out of it initially. They they obviously got there for a couple starts for Ellinger. And I think part of it honestly stems from Frank Reich and Jim Mercer looking at him and saying, you know, you had your chance with Carson Wentz, and I don't like how that played out. And if I sense things are going in a bad direction again, I'm going to step in um, if need be. Um, so now the Colts have a head coach that has more trust to the owner. Uh, there's probably a lot of big-picture questions that you know you, you could have off of that and certainly if I were Chris Ballard I'd be curious to kind of where my standing is yeah. in the organization but as of right now um, you know Jeff Saturday has earned that right in Jim Mercer's eyes um, and you know I think Jim Mercer really really wants the Jeff Saturday thing to work out so uh, he's also I think going to give a clean slate a guy that he has emotional attachment to a guy that he loves he's going to give him a little bit of a longer leash, then I just think naturally the Frank Reich leash shortened. Yeah, a guy that doesn't approve of uh, Jeff Saturday being the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts is Bill Cower. Uh, <laughs> did you see that Cower rant on on CBS, and what did you think? Yeah, I thought it was a bit over the top. Um, I thought it was exhausting. Um, I thought a lot of it was, you know, I'm going to stand up for my boys in the good old coaching club, and how dare you, um, you know, overlook any of them and, and – you know, it just seemed like Bill Cower. You would have thought the Colts hired some like convicted felon off a ticket lottery. <laughs> like, and I'm just like, geez, it's not that big. Can you do? You, are there reasons to question some of Jim Irsay's recent decision making 
yes, it's an emotionally charged owner making some unprecedented moves. There's no doubt about it. But to go to that degree, it just seemed a bit over the top. Um, and I know that was kind of the national thing all last week. And, again, a lot of it is defending, I think, people that have worked their way you know, up through the ranks and, and, and all of that. Uh, but I'll go back to an earlier point that I, that I was making. Jeff Saturday knows how this looks. He addressed the elephant in the room right away last Wednesday's first team meeting and saying, guys, I'm going to be upfront with you. I totally understand why you guys would question this move. Um, hell, he even asked Jim Ursay, why are you hiring me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, why, why are you believing in me? And I think that transparency was huge. It was not a coach that came in here and just undressed the locker room and said, you know, you guys all suck and this and that, and you're a terrible football team, and it's my way or the highway. I thought he brought kind of a CEO leadership style, you know, changed a little bit of the tone and just his natural energy level, his genuine energy level, I think stood out. Uh, but at the same time, he kept a lot of what, what was in place with the current staff. And, you know, part of it is he has no choice. It's hard to overhaul everything. Um, but I think he knows just some subtle tweaks is probably the best route to go with right now. And, Kevin, the thing that drove me nuts more than anything else, not, you know, me being a Colts homer or whatever, but all these coaches that had experience weren't doing a damn thing before Jeff Saturday was hired. There was an awful lot of experience on that sideline against the Patriots. Frank Reich and all these guys, and that was one of the grossest performances I've ever seen, and I've seen some bad Colts football in my life. I'm 45 years old. I remember the mid-1980s. I've seen some bad football. That was on par with all of it. Last time I checked, Kevin, there was a hell of a lot of experience on the sideline there. Sure. And, again, at some point, like like you said, Hammer, everybody's resume has a stain on it inside of that building. You know, there's a reason why we were there last Monday night. It was because Jim Mercer clearly felt like Frank Reich wasn't getting the job done enough or to the degree necessary. So that's why he made that move. Um, I, I think the only real, like, head-scratching thing to me is, um, again, if Frank Reich, you know, wanted to stick with Matt Ryan a month ago and you allow him to do that, you know, is Marcus Brady and Frank Reich still here? Um, I, I just think that's kind of an element to this where uh, it's very interesting how it has all played out. Uh, having said that, I think there's plenty of merit to make the move with Reich. And I do think, and we had Joe Wright on our show earlier today, there's just an element of, um, you know, a guy is a play caller, a guy's an energy level. Um, I think, NFL players gravitate towards Jeff Saturday's leadership style a little bit more than Frank Reich. Certainly there's been, you know, subdued coaches or, you know, however you want to describe it um, that have had a lot of success in the NFL. But I think given where you're at right now in the middle of year five of the Reich era and how you had played recently in these slow starts and, you know, inability to get out of the gate quick and constant struggles in the division, um, a jolt and a different style, a louder voice, a different, you know, message, um, was was welcome, and, and I think clearly Saturday brings that. And then finally, uh, KB, your thoughts on the offensive line. I mean, uh, Jeff Saturday is a Pro Bowl offensive lineman, and he knows what he's doing in that area. Offensive line seemed to improve uh, this game, right? Yeah, and, you know, just made a couple of personnel tweaks, nothing too, too, you know, drastic with that, but just, you know, a couple of personnel tweaks there. Um, Bernard Ryman at left tackle, Will, Will Fries at right guard. Uh, but I thought it was a group with a new play caller that committed to protecting a little bit more, maybe not necessarily throwing everybody out on the route tree, uh, making sure that if Matt Ryan has time, we believe that he can kind of sift through 
who's open and, and, and find the right guy. And again, it's going to be a very methodical, get the ball out quick passing game, but kind of slowly but surely make your way down the field. So, so much of the root of the Colts issues this year can go back to the offensive line. Um, I thought yesterday was probably the best day. Again, you were playing a defensive line that had struggled this season um, in, in getting after the quarterback. So you know, bigger challenges are going to, to arise. But just to get back on solid ground, solid footing, and had to start up front, and I do think a little bit of just Saturday's presence certainly helps there. He is part of the morning show on 107.5 The Fan, Kevin and Query. Kevin Bowen, thank you so much, Thanks, man. Buddy. We appreciate it. Yep, have a good one, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. The Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, coming up after 6 o'clock, an update on Mike Pence. Yeah, he's uh, selling a book. Is he running for president? Uh, we also have more on the Indianapolis Colts. Big win, 25-20 to 20 yesterday under their new head coach. Without any experience, by the way. Jeff said, Did you know Jeff Saturday doesn't have any head coaching experience? How was he even able to put his shoes on in the morning? <laughs> How did he even get to the stadium? I'm shocked. Uh, that was a fun game, though. That was a fun game to watch. For the first really? time yeah. in a while, yeah. a Colts game has been fun. And not just because they won. Like, they won the Broncos game, but that was horrible to watch. That was a fun watch yesterday. Did you get out to the movie theaters at all this weekend? <laughs> You're not a movie theater. You're not a movie goer, are you? As Dr. Evil would say, how about no? no! Black Panther, Wakanda forever. Topping the box office with a record-setting opening weekend. $180 million domestically, $330 million globally. And uh, lots of uh, tributes to the late Chadwick Boseman, who played the original Black Panther since passed away. He had cancer, right? Yeah, crazy. Just uh, obviously way, way too soon. Gone way too soon. Another superhero flick, uh, DC's Black Adam. That's with The Rock. Took in eight and a half million bucks. Our then- pal Brian Baker hates The Rock. <laughs> Can't stand The Rock. He... he- <laughs> I guess we should be careful what what we do and do not say in terms of his relationship. I'll with just the rock. keep it at that. Okay, I'll just yeah. keep it at that. But there's a reason. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and also, boy, I can't wait to get out to the movie theaters to see the rom com called Ticket to Paradise. Do you now, remember this one? Again, this is not a biopic on Eddie Money because that would be two, two tickets, tickets to, to paradise. paradise. This is something totally different. This is George Clooney. And Julia Roberts. Oh God, oh, man! Like two two people in their sixties. I, I mean, like late fifties, early sixties. Who wants to watch a romantic comedy about old people? <laughs> Sorry. Well, I, I mean, mean, like depends on what they look like, I guess. Because how old is Elizabeth Hurley? Oh yeah, I mean, she's in her early to mid fifties. I don't know how old Julia Roberts is. I know Clooney's in his sixties. I'm just saying, if Julia yeah. Roberts wants to get undressed in front of me, I'll watch, but <laughs> it's nothing I want to go out and pay to see. Does that make sense? That's That makes complete and total sense, Hammer. Um, so, it, it's just funny, because we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, that, that gay-themed rom-com called Bros was supposed to be um, really funny and was supposed to kill at the box office. Just absolutely bombed. And the guys that made it were saying it's because we're a nation of homophobes. Correct. Could possibly be that the movie sucked. (laughs) 
Not a chance. Not at all. I, I don't want to see a gay rom-com. I don't want to see a rom-com with Julia Roberts and George Clooney. How's, how about that? Is that I'm okay? down for that. Right. I'll agree to that. Uh, another hour of the Hammer and Nigel show coming up after 6 o'clock, 93 WNBC.